This episode of the Supply Chain Brain podcast is supported by IFM Business Solutions, formerly GIB, a leading provider of supply chain planning optimization software for companies running SAP ECC and S4 HANA. Be sure and stick around after the discussion for a look at the company and what it offers to customers. But now, on to the podcast. Planning means nothing if you can't execute on the plan. Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Editor-in-Chief of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. For years, companies have been focused on improving the supply chain planning function. That's all well and good, but the best laid plans are of little use if they can't be properly executed. It's important to focus on the real-world implications of operating global supply chains in a time of extreme volatility. Chief among the requirements for doing that is access to real-time analytics, which make possible a rapid response to shifting demand patterns and economic conditions. On the show today, I'm joined by Eric Jones, Managing Director with IFM Business Solutions, formerly GIB, who will take us through the steps needed to overhaul and optimize the planning discipline. Planning horizons are shrinking, execution is everything, and the lines between them are blurring. Here's my conversation with Eric Jones. Eric Jones, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bob. Happy to be here. Eric, how has the whole planning discipline changed in recent years, and what has driven that change? Certainly, volatility, first off, is ever-increasing. And so we've been so focused on improving supply chain planning for years, and that's a good endeavor, and that's very important. But with that laser focus on planning, what has been left out or are not properly focused on enough is the ability to execute that plan and how the planning and execution processes tightly interact and tightly work together. And so with this increased volatility within the business environment, within the global environment, the plan that we generate is only as good as our ability to execute. So especially in the supply chain area, we need to move beyond that singular focus on delivering a great plan. As a matter of fact, to further illustrate that point, uh, two important industry studies recently by Gartner and also by SAP Insider both identified that the number one challenge for manufacturing companies globally is to connect the planning function, the supply chain planning function, with the ability to execute. So with that gap, what we need to do is begin to align and have that dual focus of precision planning and the ability to respond and adapt, but then the ability to execute on that plan and the ability to, in real time, understand where the plan 
and reality are diverging, and then make those adjustments real time. Okay, I want to talk to you a lot about how we're going to actually achieve that. But first, I just want to stick with a little bit more of where we've been coming from all this time in terms of planning horizons. My understanding is, and I would think that they've been shrinking, what would be considered a typical planning horizon under a traditional planning environment? And how is that shrinking as it gets closer to the need to actually execute on the plan? There's traditionally been, you could break down supply chain planning into three perspectives. There's the first, which is that strategic planning, that planning horizon that looks out 12 to 18 months. And this is the primary and I'd say the most important focus for the C-level executives. So they want to be able to predict and model their business out over that longer horizon so that they can make those investment decisions and those broad market decisions on where the company wants to go. So that's where I think a lot of the focus has been recently. And it makes sense because it's those C-suite executives that are making the investment decisions on which software, which technology to buy. So I think naturally the supply chain technology has been driven towards that orientation. One level below that, you get into that mid-level operational planning. So there you're looking at horizons that are of the next three to six months, perhaps the next six to 12 months. And so there you're starting to get closer to the day-to-day business. You're starting to have shorter horizons that allow a level of, of adaptability, but still in that month and quarter time frame. And then we get down to the third level, that execution level, where those plans can be daily or weekly, but they can also adjust in real time hourly. And I think that is the new horizon for businesses that really want to have an adaptable, responsive supply chain is where that next horizon becomes to attack and to identify technology that will enable that kind of rapid response. To think that executives actually once had confidence that they had any idea what was going to happen 18 months from now. Considering recent events, that becomes sort of a a fiction. Well, along at some point came SNOP, Sales and Operations Planning, which brought a lot of value to the planning organization. But I'm wondering if it also kind of locked us into certain behaviors and assumptions that might no longer be entirely relevant when it comes to planning horizons and things like that. Do you think that maybe we need to break some of those paradigms in order to achieve what we're talking about here today? Oh, absolutely. That SNOP model for many years assumed infinite supply, assumed infinite transportation capacity, and assumed infinite capacity of human capital. And so a lot of those plans were unconstrained, and many of those plans just had that base assumption that we could make our products anywhere in the world where there was the lowest cost of manufacture because we could source our raw materials from anywhere and we can move that product reliably and economically from any point in the globe to the point of consumption. And so those base assumptions that have been relevant for us for the last 20 years, 30 years even, all those are turned upside down now. They're no longer valid assumptions. So that entire long-term planning model of unconstrained capacity and limitless supply has now got to be remodeled to understand that the cost of transportation and the availability of transportation is a huge factor in that supply decision and that manufacturing and procurement decision. So with reshoring, with more redundancy in in supply sources, with identifying multiple supply sources and having to make new purchasing and supply decisions in real time, not just based on one variable cost, but based on cost, based on availability, based on volatility of transit times. We've got now a multivariable supply equation that we really didn't have to face in the recent past. 
I think maybe we can agree that a plan that is internally developed, totally internally developed, is of very little use and that you definitely need to bring into the picture external partners, both upstream and downstream, and acquire the necessary data with which to make your plan. How good a job are companies doing now in obtaining that necessary information in both directions from the supply chain, thereby being able to roll that into an effective plan? been a slow process, I would say, and I've been, uh, my background has been in supply chain and in e-commerce for over 30 years now. There was, I'd say in the 90s, a significant improvement, a significant focus on extending the enterprise to better connect with your suppliers and to better connect with your customers. And there was a lot of great inroads made during that time. And then there's been new technologies and new platforms that have enabled that kind of marketplace and that kind of online connectivity. But we still see, in our experience, still working with many manufacturers and distributors, both mid-market and and larger enterprise, there is a surprising lack of interconnectedness amongst their key suppliers and key customers. They might, on a one-off basis or as an exception, share information, but even that information sharing is is pretty manual and rudimentary, and it's not systemic, so Mm -hmm. there's a lot of still data manipulation and manual work to massage that data to get it into a format that your own systems can use. So yeah, I would say over the last 22 years, the ability to achieve frictionless commerce between your key suppliers and key customers is still very much work to be done. In addition to which, how close are we to getting to this point where the plan is actually shared across partners? I mean, in the past, a manufacturer, an OEM, might give a supplier a plan. The supplier would go, well, thanks a lot, but we've got our own plan (laughs) internally. They just don't agree. So how close are we? You can't execute on a plan unless you have one version of the truth. Isn't that the case? And how close are we to being able to do that among all supply chain partners? That's still going to be a monumental challenge. In the scenario where you've got a few number of players in that supply chain node, if you've got a single source supplier and you've got a set amount of materials that you're making for a small number of end customers, you can achieve that level of collaboration and frictionless commerce across that platform. But when you start to add the nodes and and you start to get information, let's say from your key customer or customers, and instead of 10 or 20, that's 200 or 300, now it becomes infinitely more challenging to single source that plan and to create that perfect alignment between the customer's plan and what your plan, because you've got to take all those different customer plans, aggregate them to a level where you can uh, then turn that into a supply plan across your material groups and, and your product groups. So there's, I think, always going to be some natural constraints to that perfect alignment of plans across supply chain partners when you start to add in the volume and volatility across multiple nodes. Okay, so let's talk about convergence. Mm -hmm. How to make planning, and for that matter, replanning, which is equally important, more flexible, more responsive in reaction to real-time occurrences. Give us some tips on how this can be achieved. The number one way to get that alignment is look at the base technology. Most companies have now a base ERP system, and this ERP system has their master data, it has their transactional data, and it has the people that are operating in their day-to-day. Now, the struggle that most companies have with their base ERP system, and for our network and, and the way that we work, we work with the SAP community, so that's where we're focused. The data is there, and it's structured in that system, but the tools to use that data and to become expert supply chain practitioners and have perfect visibility isn't there. 
So what often happens is that companies then start to invest in external platforms to conduct those planning tasks and to put together those long-term, mid-term plans. But when you start to pull your data that you've worked so hard to get structured and accurate inside of that ERP system into a separate system, Mm -hmm. now you've created a natural break between where you're doing your planning and where you're doing your execution. So a great first step is to look for opportunities to where instead of moving your data out of your system of execution, bring better tools inside of your system of execution so that your data stays put, your data doesn't get duplicated, massaged, or moved, and your people don't have to move and learn new software. Now you've created a natural technical and process convergence where the planning function and the execution function and the measurement and the optimization is all happening within the same system using the same set of data, using the same technology, and it's happening in real time. You don't have to worry about integrations. You don't have to worry about bolt-on systems, things like that, right? Exactly, yeah. Each time, we call these digital leaks. So each time that you move data out of an ERP system like SAP, which is built to expect the data and the processes to follow a sequential path and to have a subsequent process after you've taken an action, if you take that data and take it out of that system, do something with it, and then put it back in at a different point, you're creating digital leaks within that enterprise system platform that creates time lags, that creates the opportunity for accuracy errors, that creates extra work, and ultimately creates a non-value-added cycle that makes it harder and harder to replan and reanalyze because every time you go into a new planning cycle, you're creating new digital leaks and new opportunities for data to become misaligned. That said, do you think in the case of most companies today, real-time is a reality or an aspiration? Oh, still very much an aspiration, especially in this area of what we're calling real-time decision-making. Now, up to this point, and certainly in the last 10, 15 years, the focus has been on real-time analytics. And that's really important. It's vital to have that insight and visibility into how the business is performing. But The information is good and the insight is good, but it goes back to the ability to react. You have information to analyze the business, but day-to-day, hour-to-hour, minute-to-minute, do you have the information and do you have it in the right spot so that you can react and decide on that information in real time? So real-time decision-making is that next horizon, is that next objective for companies to really have that flexible, agile supply chain to respond and adapt to this changing, volatile economic climate. I guess it depends also on what you mean by react. I mean, does it mean a retail chain just moving inventory from one store to another? Does it mm-hmm. mean having to go all the way up to its manufacturer and say, make more of this product now? <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, it can be any of those things, all, right? Yeah, all the above. Yeah, we've got to change production schedules. We've had a real-time spike one way or the other in the consumption pattern. We've got to reprioritize manufactured. We've got to reallocate raw materials. We've got a supply that was delayed at a shipping point, and we've got to respond to this product that we expected to be delivered today that's now two weeks late. These real-time signals from the supply side and the demand side, it's not enough just to see the signal, but you have to see the signal and then be presented with the tools and the insight to say, here are my options. Here are my choices. Mm -hmm. What's the best option? Again, going back to using the multiple variables of operational impact, economic impact, lead time impact, and customer satisfaction impact. 
So in the end, although I'm sure companies would not want to abandon altogether the exercise of doing long-term planning, 12 months, 18 months, or even beyond, it sounds like you're saying that short-term planning is becoming a much bigger part of the picture to the point almost where I wonder where the line between planning and execution gets a little bit blurred because you're, you're, you're reacting so immediately to the moment. Is, is that, Absolutely. in fact, the case? That is precisely the point that in that short-term operational planning cycle, that's the key area where that line between planning and execution, as that line blurs, now that cycle becomes faster, it becomes more efficient, it becomes more automated, and it becomes more virtuous because now you can identify, react, respond, adapt, and you're doing it all in real time and you're doing it all without the, say that, that heavy burden of connecting multiple systems and trying to keep those multiple systems synchronized in real time. That long-term strategic planning, yeah, that could sit in its own space on its own technology because that's not a planning cycle that gets repeated very often, maybe monthly, maybe quarterly. But when you're talking about day-to-day, week-to-week, that's where that convergence of planning technology and, and execution really pay off. Eric, tell me a little bit about GIB North America and how it fits into the picture that we've just been talking about here. What value does it bring to the marketplace? Where does it fit in? Yeah, so GIB North America is a solution and development partner with SAP. So we exist to allow SAP customers to extend and enhance their supply chain capabilities, their ability to have that real-time decision-making and the ability to adapt within the four walls of that ERP system. So our belief is that if, if your people, your processes, and your data exist in that ERP system and, and you've spent a lot of time and effort to get those people, processes, and data aligned within that system, then you should be able to plan and execute your supply chain in that same system. So GID fits in a very unique space where uh, we're the only advanced supply chain solution company that delivers advanced supply chain functionality inside of SAP and within the the four walls of of the SAP ERP system, whether it's the traditional ECC system or the new S4HANA system. We exist to deliver that real-time integration and to enable that real-time decision-making. How interesting, because over the years, the message we keep hearing from the bolt-on vendors or the uh, outside software vendors is ERP can't do this. ERP can't do that. ERP right. is not you know, sufficient. You've got to have all these other bells and whistles. You're saying that GIB, really fo- by focusing on ERP specifically, is able to bring all that into the application in a way that is completely new and, and different. Absolutely, yeah, and and, it, and it's in line with the technological advances that SAP's made with their HANA database and in-memory computing. So the ability to run through so many more cycles, to run through and analyze so much more data and process so much more information, uh, let's take advantage of that. And, mm-hmm. and again, let's put those tools where that data resides because if you can do a supply chain transformation project, and you don't have to take your data out of SAP or any system, and you don't have to extract it, transform it, and then load it somewhere else, and then maintain that integration, and you don't have to train your people on learning new software. You just cut seven, eight months out of a project, 
And all you're left with is the real business value of configuring to the user's requirements, validating, training, and you're off and running. So the time to value for a supply chain transformation project goes from months and years to days and weeks. It's really digging into the value of ERP. That, that's fascinating. Eric Jones of GIB North America, I want to thank you so much for talking to me today about the whole issue of how we can converge planning and execution on a real-time basis, real-time decision-making, as well as telling us a little bit about GIB North America itself. Thanks so much for being with me. Bob, thank you. Appreciate the opportunity. That was my conversation with Eric Jones of IFM Business Solutions, talking about the convergence of supply chain planning and execution. We thank IFM for sponsoring this episode. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn. Follow us on Twitter at SCBrain. And also watch videos on our YouTube channel. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. Stay well and see you next time. <laughs>